Eir Tanuyap, Kuiget Yuans Kuiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kuiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Well, you may see a man Close up his open hand And see how greed might motivate A reckless fist And you will witness pain Of people's petty pursuits for gain But you will never see a hearse With a trailer Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conscious Living here on 100.5 FM CFRO Co-op Radio in Vancouver, and of course, streamed throughout the interwebs on our Facebook channel and YouTube channel and throughout our podcast series. And today, I'm really quite excited to uh, be on here with our founder of Conscious Living Radio, Andrew Resmer, and it's a sad day because unfortunately, Tasha wasn't able to join us. And we're going to have a great conversation about a Canadian premiere of a documentary that's coming to Vancouver at the Planted Expo this coming June 4th and 5th. The name of the con- uh, the, this film is called Eating Our Way to Extinction, and it takes audiences on a cinematic journey around the world from the depths of the Amazon rainforest to the Taiwanese mountains, the Mongolian desert, the U.S. Dust Bowl, the Norwegian fjords, and the Scottish coastlines telling the story of our planet through shocking testimonials, poignant accounts from Indigenous people most affected by our ever-changing planet, uh, globally renowned figures, leading scientists. It's really a powerful documentary that sends a simple but impactful message by uncovering hard truths and addressing the big screen. Uh, The most pressing issue of our generation is the ecological collapse. It's confronting, it's entertaining, And the documentary really allows the audience to question their everyday choices, the industry leaders and governments. And it features a wealth of world-renowned contributors, including Sir Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, and has a message of hope that will empower all audiences. And our guests today, we have uh, Jennifer Stoikovic. I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Jennifer. Uh, She is a food tech leader, founder of the Vegan Women's Summit, and the author of The Future of Food is Female. And she's uh, one of the advisors on the film that's bringing it here to Vancouver at the Vancouver Convention Center on the weekend. We also have Mark Galvin, who's a producer. Uh, Mark is the founder and director of the World Preservation Foundation, a sustainability research and nonprofit organization that works to reduce global warming, uh, particularly through tree planting. And we also have uh, no stranger to the show, uh, Udo Erasmus, who, of course, is a Bachelor of Science degree, honors in zoology, major in psychology. And for those of you who know Udo and his Udo's Choice oil and products, he's done a great job in really helping change the world and giving people uh, great healthy alternatives. So let's get going with the program. Andrew, great to see you. Always a pleasure to have you on when you're you know, back from your travels and journeys. Are you there, Andrew? Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be longer and longer. I, I travel more and more nowadays. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're doing a lot of great work in the world, and and for that, I thank you. And and I know that you're been involved in this film, and now it's coming to Vancouver as a Canadian premiere. So I'm sure you're proud about that. And we look forward to you know really diving into this topic of you know the way the environment's changing due to you know really agriculture and animal farming, fish farming, and and things of that nature. So let's dive in, and and maybe we can speak with Mark about you know, what really got this, this documentary going and started and what was his, maybe your driving force, Mark? Yeah. Thanks for having us on today. Um, myself and Jennifer and Udo and, um, are delighted to be here and talking about the documentary. Uh, Jennifer's helped uh, on the journey, um, has been fantastic, uh, organized our LA premiere and has advised as well. And Udo took part in the documentary, uh, which was fantastic with Tony Robbins, where Tony told the story of um, getting mercury poisoning from eating uh, lots and lots of tuna. <laughs> and you can see that in the documentary. Um, so yeah, so my journey started, you know, many years ago, I, you know, I at meat like everybody else. And I started, um, a herbal company uh, doing herbal medicines and but then i actually imported a range of cosmetics from australia called my essence and norel the founder of that uh, range of products actually kind of set me on the path i think uh she started telling about chemicals and and you you start a journey in in so many different ways and then i started looking at you know, organic and how organic food is produced. And then I started learning about meat. So I went vegetarian. And the strange thing was I was vegetarian for a number of years without making the connection with dairy. Um, and the interesting thing is that when you look at livestock, dairy cows actually suffer more than, than, than um, beef cattle, let's say. Um, they're, you know, it's horrendous. They're, they're, made to produce much more milk than they're naturally meant to their calves are taken off them which is a, a real stress and the connection with any mother and child is is uh, a deep connection so then I, I i learned on on that side that the dairy was just as bad as the meat and i went vegan and then i decided right you know i was at a, a crossroads in my life where i said okay what will i do and we set up the World Preservation Foundation to look into writing reports on the effects of animal agriculture. We did a conference in the Houses of Parliament in, in the UK. And from there, I started to get more and more deeply into the topic and the subject. And then you realize how devastating this industry is on our planet. Uh, so the UN have said it's the number one, two, three um, problem. In, let me say that again. In in all our environmental problems, the meat industry and dairy industry is either the number one, two, or three cause of each one of the problems we have, from food security, biodiversity, um, soil erosion, um, deforestation, desertification, pollution, and then obviously then you've got the suffering of billions of animals um, around the world. And, and then you've got the knock-on effect of the human health impact that huge impact on human health and cost that we also have to take into consideration. So 
that led led us to, you know led me to gathering a lot of knowledge and then i was uh otto the director and ludo we had been discussing different projects for a while and then we made the decision you know let's come together and make a documentary that really just goes into the different effects of animal agriculture on the environment and we wanted it to be very very precise in terms of science so we were very careful um, about who we worked with on the project and we we had our, our our scripts checked multiple times by different scientists from um, really good organizations so that we knew everything was correct because we didn't want to put information out there that we get called out on afterwards and i think we've done that and that there's some established organizations using our documentary to actually educate their staff and so on and that that's nice to see that we're that that it's been used as a tool within um organizations and industry and so on to um to show people the effects of uh, of this industry on on the planet and on people's health well i, I can say it's certainly impactful I, I really enjoyed the film you know from the cinematography i thought was fantastic for one and the information um and I, i've been aware of some of these things myself over over the years but the way that it was put together really woke me up even more to what's really going on out there. And I guess, why do you think that, you know, with the intelligence and the brilliance of mankind in so many levels, why do you think that it's really gotten to the point that it's gotten to at this point where we're destroying the planet under the guise of health? I think it comes back to, any um, industry really not just the not just the meat and dairy industry it's it's a natural process in a sense so if you look at the car industry there was a necessity for tra transport and travel we went con combustion engines we could have gone electric at the time but we we decided to go combustion for different uh, reasons um, but then you look at the it was after World War II, really, and the industrialization of farming. And the, you know, the, it was, they, they figured out a way of producing large amounts of meat, feeding these, the livestock on corn and all the grains that we produce. And then once an industry gets a hold and it gets big enough, then they're, they, they're very power, they, they become a very powerful organization. They're able to hire the best lobbyists and then they start to push their industry. And it's, you know, you could say they didn't, I don't think they set out and said, oh, we're going to, it just happens over time and they get more and more powerful. And once you get a powerful industry, you get powerful lobbies and they look after their own interests over everybody else's interest. And we can see that with not just the meat and dairy industry, but you can see it with most industries, the oil industry. And look where we are right now with, with the situation, um, in Ukraine, where we're relying on, uh, you know, Russia for oil, and and in a sense, we're re we're relying on the the food industry to provide meat and dairy, uh, because people now believe that they need this to survive, the tr to thrive. But it's actually the opposite. We don't need it. You're a healthier person without it, and we're it's a healthier planet without it as well. Mm. Your thoughts, Andrew? you have any questions anywhere you want to 
go with that? Yeah, just uh, I'm just curious. Uh, this uh, this whole path that you took in the movie, um, because it, it it took you almost five years to create it. Can you kind of describe for us the the the, the concept from the beginning, how it evolved, uh, who um, you invited to be part of this production, why? And, and because we're going to see on Saturday uh, here in Vancouver what the uh, final outcome is. But I would like you to describe this path that uh, brought us here. <clears throat> yeah, we, we definitely wanted it to be cinematic because we wanted to show the beauty of the world. So we're, we're going in and we're showing how beautiful our planet is, but how fragile it is at the same time. And we really wanted to show people that beauty and how fragile it is. And then we also wanted to show them the devastation that you'll see in the documentary showing the impacts of what we're doing to the planet. Um, so we really wanted to do that from the start. Ludo is a brilliant cinematographer. Um, he traveled the world, auto, brilliant conceptually, um, the script, the music, tying it together. The team just gelled. And you, you, you feel it too in the documentary that, that you know, that the, when talented people come together like that and, you know, they, they have a passion for what they do, it comes across. And, you know, we were lucky to have uh, such a passionate team. And, and we, we, we hoped, we didn't want to, we, we really set up not to preach to people. We didn't want to shout, you have to do that. We want to show people the reality on the ground. We want to show them the science and we want to say, this is the reality. Now you make up your own mind. And the great thing is people that watch the documentary, most people have said to us that watch the documentary that they will make a change in their diet. They might not go fully vegan right away, but they would make a change. And some have gone plant-based pretty quickly. Um, and we're hoping that, that you know, the more and more people watch the documentary, um, the more impact it will have. You were able to attract um, quite an amazing um, people who are sharing their experience uh, in, with the plant-based diet. Um, can you tell us a bit more who and yeah. how did you get? So, yeah, th yeah, that's a good question. We we were lucky that you know you realize that there's a lot of people out there, um, celebrities and well-known people that that have the same passion to protect our planet. And so Kate Winslet was kind enough to agree to um, do the narration for the documentary. And then obviously we had Richard Branson in the documentary. Tony Robbins took part. Um, we had great scientists from Oxford, Joseph Poor, Marco Springman, uh, Tara Garnett from, and Jeremy Rifkin is fantastic. And on and on the great scientists we had in there plus celebrity who all took part in the project and then we're we're also lucky enough to have narrators around the world so we have shusha in brazil who's um just an incredibly talented uh lady who's she's an actress a singer um you know businesswoman she's she does it all but she's passionate about the she's plant-based herself and she's passionate about protecting the rainforest so she's doing the portuguese for brazil we have um Uh, Hugo Clement, who's um, again plant-based, and he's a French presenter. Uh, he's doing the French um, 
narration. Uh, we have, um, yeah, top of my head, I'm so many, but we've, you know, we've got German, we've got Korean, where Vietnamese has been recorded, we've got Spanish being recorded. Mark Antonio uh, Rigol recorded um, the Spanish from Mexico and Latin America. We have um, Im Sun Jun, who is an actress in Korea, doing the Korean. And we're hoping to add more because we want to do as many local languages as possible. We've Mongolian um, recorded already. Uh, we may be doing Arabic and so on. And it's great to have all those different um, personalities and celebrities around the world who, again, you know, no, none of these, uh, they, they've all done it uh, because they're passionate about the project and getting this message out. Well, I, <clears throat> quite, a, quite an amazing group of people. And uh, so, um, so movies done, uh, I think originally your plan was to uh, release it a couple of years ago, just before COVID. And then COVID happened. How did this uh, delay impact uh, uh, what you were trying to achieve? It, I don't think it, it impacted the end product. I think it was more the delay um, because we needed to get down to South America um, because one of the scenes um, in South America, we, we really wanted that in there because what's happening around the rainforest um, is horrendous. And, you know, when you look at the cycle of what's happening, we start with death and we end with death in a sense. You know, you're talking about indigenous people being murdered, the land taken off them. They then burn the forest. Then they grow intensively um, soy and different grains, which are fed to livestock, which go are shipped to China, North America, Europe mainly. And that cycle, and then they feed it to livestock. Those livestock are slaughtered to produce meat. And it's the most inefficient food. You know, if, if I, I, you kind of say, if, if, an, if other intelligent beings were looking down on our planet, they would not, you know, they, they would not figure out why humans are, are doing this because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's the biggest way, especially when there are hungry people in the world and we're feeding livestock, that, that protein is the most inefficient protein. You know, we can get plant protein, which is much more absorbed by the body. It's a healthier protein, no cholesterol, no chemicals, no hormones, steroids. Yet we, we do this vicious cycle and we end up destroying the lungs of the earth. We, we end up destroying communities, families. When we were there and we have an image of two, the two young girls, I think they were 16 and they hung themselves from a tree because their, their, their parents had been murdered. Um, and that, that's how it starts. And it, it ends up with meat on the plates of people in Europe, US, China, and so on that system has to change and it will change because even if you look at the fragility of the food system right now, you see what's happening with Ukraine, one of the breadbaskets of the world, how fragile the system is. You look at climate change, droughts, 
the UN have just released a report that there'll be 700 million new refugees, um, climate refugees, in the next seven years. So that's 100 million a year. Um, we really have to take food security seriously. And if we don't make the choice to go on the plant-based journey, nature is going to force us to go on that journey. Um, and I would say, if we can make the choice, less peace, people will suffer. And the sad thing is, the poorest people in the world are going to suffer, suffer the most, which is re really sad. Um, and I just have a stat here. When you look at 42% of our land is used to raise animals, and it only produces 12% of our food. We use 6% of our land to produce vegetables, and it produces 85% of our food. So you can see that if we change it around, we can feed the whole planet. No one needs to go hungry. They're predicting famines in Africa right now. You know, we, we really have to start taking it seriously and start to reduce the impacts on our planet and start diverting the food uh, to humans because we, we will, you know, the UN are saying it, the, the World Economic Forum, everyone, the data is there. We need to move in this direction and it's better to do it now and suffer less. Everyone suffers less. Yeah, that's it's really incredible. And I recall one of the, the statements in the movie where they were talking about, you know, you want to save some water kind of a thing. It's 600, was it 600 gallons of water to produce a quarter pound burger, yes. which is just, you know, like it's crazy. If you want to save water, you don't have to worry about your water in your shower. Don't eat beef, you know. One yeah. less hamburger saves 600 gallons of water. Multiply that by the population. What, what does that give us, right? And just what you're saying in terms of the, and it was in the film as well, how much it takes to feed these animals just to kill them and feed really, you know, the, the, the rich or, or the people who can afford it. And there's people suffering and starving in the world, which just, doesn't make sense to me when we take a look at humanity. And, and I know myself, I've been part of the Tony Robbins community for years. And I uh, was first introduced to Udo's products through Tony Robbins in one of his seminars. And it really blew me away because that's what changed my vision of how this was in the early 2000s and, and changed my eating habits completely. And to see how you know, not just the, the beef and agriculture of that nature, but what you're calling the aquaculture and the far, fish farming and things. And I knew it was bad, but I had no idea. And what you, you were able to capture and get in this film was really, really impactful, which, you know, leads into the omega-3s, the food, the fish, and then even the health of the food that we're eating and how it transposes to us. Um, Udo, maybe you might want to talk a little bit about that, you know, as a scientist, as a guy who's been about health for a number of years through your own experience, what do you see happening there and, um, you know, how we can get our oils in a good way? Well, I, belong, I, I was a member of a group called ISFAL. They are the International Society for the Study of uh, Fatty Acids and Lipids. So they're the, like people, they look at everything in the world of fats. 
And a few years ago, the, the last time I attended, they were saying by 2048, there will be no fish in the ocean at the rate at which we're going. And what we've done is we have fewer fish species that are edible. We have the average catch is a third the size that it was, like the size of the, the fish, is a third the size it was 100 years ago. And we have created more efficient methods for catching the fish. And we're not setting, and no, you know, the fish oil, fishing industry never set goals that are sustainable. They never set any goals at all. So what they did is they went around the world, overfished, and then moved on, overfished, 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 all the way around the world. So they said by 2048, there will be no fish in the ocean. And the, you know, and at the same time, the fish oil industry has always said, you know, you can't get plant omega-3s to make what fish oils contain. But they started that the, the week we came out with flaxseed oil in 1986. That's when they started to say that. Before that, they had a whole other story. And the, the fish oils have a, a very big downside that they are the most sensitive to damage of any of our nutrients. Light, oxygen, heat, water, and minerals damage, damage them very rapidly. And they're damaged and they're toxic and they, sub, and they absorb oil-soluble nutrients and they work their way up the food chain. Uh, no, oh, sorry, oil-soluble toxins. They work their way up the food chain. And fish is now the dirtiest meat on the planet because we've turned the ocean into our sewer system. Everything we, everything we drop on land goes downhill, goes in the ocean. If it's oil-soluble, ends up in the oil in the ocean, which is in the oily fish, and goes from low on the food chain, like with, with, uh, with um, algae, and then to krill, and then to little fish, and then to big fish, and then to whales, and it, and it concentrates up the food chain. And you most know. of the fish we eat are on top of the food chain. So, so, there's a, so there's a lot of problems with what we've done to the ocean. And when I began to work with oils in the early 1980s, you know, I, my view was, uh, well, it was just established that omega-3s are essential in 1981. So it was good. I, and I was just working on my health because I got poisoned by pesticides. And I was, I found out that 99% of the population doesn't get enough. I knew that in every cell are all the genes that are required to con convert plant omega-3s into fish omega-3s. And, but I also knew 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3s. So I thought if we could bring the basic omega-3s back into the diet, oh my God, we could help so many people. And we wouldn't, and I never worked with fish because not only are they damaged, but toxic. And they, the, I thought that since we're not getting enough starting material, why don't we focus on that, bring that in, and then let the body do what it knows how to do. Mm -hmm. So that sort of didn't come because I was, I was uh, philosophically vegan, but I was, but I was philosophically for health. And the vegan part came, 
you know, with age and, and more information that I got. So pretty much I'm raw food vegan these days. And, um, you know, and I on purposely don't eat fish or fish oils because I want to be proof in my own life that the body can convert the plant omega-3s to the, to the fish omega-3s. And so I've been doing that now for many years, started in 1986 making oil and pretty much i'm a i'm the 80 year old customer of my <laughs> my own my own concept right well and, and uh, i i hope to be anywhere where you are when i'm your age judo at that sense and and yeah. you're a great example of what living healthy real you know yeah. really, really has for the the human body you know not just the body but even our you know our mental faculties right yeah yeah, and and yes, so far I'm still firing on at least two cylinders. <laughs> you know? But uh, and then the other the other thing, how this happened in the movie, you know, Andrew got in touch with Tony Robbins, and Tony Robbins uh, and I worked together for a few years, and it took him I think eight years to get the uh, to to get <laughs> to to get the connection done, and so we went to Florida and and did the interview at his house. And that was really Andrew's doing because I I wouldn't wouldn't have known where to start to put that together, so so that was uh, that was that was very nice. But I'm very happy to be part of of anything that takes people in a direction for better health, for sustainability, for for plant based because it plays such a big role in it. And so I'm very happy that I got to have my my small contribution to, to this uh, fantastic movie. You know, and you you know, you may consider it smaller as you say that Udo, but I will say it was a very powerful contribution because I think it really outlines and identifies that we can get nutrients that we need for our body, not from meat. We can get it from the plant kingdom. Right. right? And that's really impactful. Yeah, my joke is always a cow is made out of grass. So a cow is just a more concentrated form of vegetable. <laughs> Instead of eating the cow, we should eat the grass. Exactly. You know, right. Benny Hill, for those who remember, he always said, eliminate the middleman, eliminate the middleman, <laughs> right? Like eliminate them, that middle process yeah. and go to the source. Now, you're because you talked about, um, you know, a vegan lifestyle, I want to bring Jennifer into the conversation because she's done a lot of great work with you know, a vegan lifestyle and women as well, um, being the, the future of food. So, Jennifer, what's your take on all this? So there is a lot to unpack here. Uh, so, you know, ba- especially taking it back to Mark's uh, initial conversation about, like, just the vast usage of of our resources and what is going towards animal agriculture. For folks that are tuning in on the stream, you can see yellowing hills behind me and this is the first thing that i'd like to point out to folks when i have these conversations about the future of food because i'm here in california and we are about to enter into another record drought where we use 80 percent of our entire state water supply towards animals that produce less than two percent of the state's gdp absolutely staggering like it's just shocking the way that we are misusing our resources so 
Um, I have been building here in, um, in California, Vegan Women's Summit. We're a global platform of women professionals, over 40,000 women professionals across the world. Um, I partner on really high-value projects that I think are going to help build a better future of food. This film being one of them, um, producing the premiere down here in Los Angeles and really debuting it to very, empower, very like powerful, influential people that need to know what is going on, especially when you're in a state with 40 million people that are directly being impacted by climate change. We are on track to, we're at less than a third of the state's water supply this summer. We're on track to hit a critical low that's never been seen before ever. In, in the United States history, and it, there's no signs of it stopping. So we have to get this message out there. Beautifully said, and, and it, that just makes no sense to me when you talk about the, you know, the 2% of the GDP, there, it's so out of balance, right? It, it's absolutely out of balance. And just, you know, for folks to understand the magnitude of what I'm talking about, California not even the United States, California is the fifth largest GDP on the entire planet. This is, you know, the fifth largest nation state in the planet. To think that we are wasting our resources to this degree, to think that we are producing alfalfa and all of these different crops, you know, the most water intensive crop that we produce, vast majority of it, alfalfa goes towards cattle. 80% of it goes towards cattle. Like it's wildly inefficient. We're using all of our land to feed these living creatures that you know, if it's beef, we're going to be growing them for four years, continually putting resources after resources into them for multiple years rather than feeding it to humans. And then, you know, it gets cut up and served to people one time. It absolutely makes no logical sense. And I think looking to other countries around the world, you know, as a global platform, we work with women all over places like Singapore, places like Israel, even China, they're getting it. They're now starting to actually look at changing uh, what their food policies look like. Uh, and the United States and, and Europe and most of the West is, is really lagging behind. We don't seem to be seeing the writing on the wall, despite the fact that it is quite literally all around us. So that's why the global conversation is so important. And even bringing it back to why we're doing the screening in Canada, Canada has the ability to be an agricultural powerhouse. The what is going on in the prairies with, you know, the protein clusters, with the plant proteins that are happening um, up there, the innovation that can happen. We get a lot of our pea protein from Canada. If we're going to have widespread, you know, high quality plant-based products, Canada will be a key country for the supply chain. And last year we lost 40% of the pea protein crop in Canada due to water shortages and droughts. And we're on track this year in Canada again to have more droughts this summer. So the entire plant-based system is, is hinging upon us solving these things and innovating. And tell us more about the expo and the, the event that um, screening of this movie is part of. So we're really excited to be bringing this uh, conversation up to Canada. You know, Mark and I started talking about this months ago with the Planted Expo team. They're expecting over 4,000 people attend Planted Expo. It is the premier plant-based event in Canada. Um, there's hundreds and hundreds of plant-based brands that are going to be there. We'll be bringing together all the most influential people. And the screening will be our big premier Saturday night event where we'll be inviting all these folks to come listen. Um, we'll be bringing, you know, not just the screening, but also two different folks that are involved in the film in addition to myself. We'll have Dr. Gemma Newman 
another amazing um, physician who is a leader in the plant-based space um, who's flying in from the UK. Uh, she will be speaking and she's featured in the film. And of course, a man that needs no introduction, uh, James Wilkes, uh, another executive producer on the film, who of course was the creator of The Game Changers, another you know phenomenal film in the space. Uh, and we're going to have a conversation about you know what can we do all together uh, in the room, but also after we leave this weekend, how do we utilize the power of all of these influential people? Um, I'm in particular, I'm Canadian uh, originally before I moved to the United States, and. I, I think that there is so much potential for Canada to be a major player in the future of food. We just need to get the right people in place and get the right conversations going. Well, and I, I just want to say, and get as many people to see this film, films of this nature, read the books that support exactly what's being shown to us uh, in, in the documentary, because I think, you know, seeing is believing for many people and experiencing, and we need to find, you know, great alternative solutions and ways to inspire people to, you know, make the change. And in my opinion, to make it sooner than later. I, those, I absolutely agree. And for those who are inspired to learn more about your work and obviously to get tickets to the event, uh, web, a link to uh, get those tickets is posted on consciouslivingradio.org right now. So you can go there right now and click on the, there's uh, even a code that we're going to be um, uh, posting uh, to give you five, uh, $5 off. The, the tickets are only $15 uh, to attend this event and uh, meet Jennifer and her guests and obviously see the entire movie. Uh, Mark, um, I know that movie itself is just the beginning or just the, entry point uh, to um, to inform educate and inspire people but you have created entire uh, uh, website uh, that is intended to give people more specific uh, steps how they can um, change their lifestyle how they can introduce this to, on a daily basis can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about that project yes um one of the um one of the things we really wanted to do was not just tell people the problem, but we also wanted to show that there are solutions. So we did create two cookbooks, one for adults, one for children, all plant-based recipes. We've got a digital meal planner. People can sign up. It's um, 2000 recipes in the database. And you, if you have allergens, if you want to gain muscle, gain weight, lose weight, whatever you want to do, they, the, you, you get those recipes to, to suit you. Um, and then we also on the site have a lot of resource, science resource, which we'll keep adding to. And I think we, we'll edit a lot of the, you know, we got so many great contributors, but you use this when, when you, you know, it's so hard when you're cutting a documentary, you've got to only take 60 seconds from someone and two minutes and you have a half hour of incredible information. So we will be editing the full interviews and putting them on. But we do have a Mythbusters section on the documentary because there's a lot of false information out there, which we've tried to address scientifically. And then just a lot of other science on, on, on how we can make the change as well. So how can our listeners find that website? Yeah, so it's uh, eatingtoextinction.com. Um, so it's eating number 2 extinctioncom um, And all the information is on there. 
And the link to that is also going to be posted on Conscious Living Radio. It's already there, everyone. It's already there. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're ahead of us, Mark. And the, the coupon code is uh, CLR Expo. And it's on the website there as well with all the links to, you know, there's a trailer for the film. There's the links to everybody, the bios, everything is there, including this interview airing live right now. Hmm. So let's go back, um, starting from Mark, then Udo and Jennifer. What's next? What, you know, this is a uh, uh, labor of uh, love and uh, passion and, 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 and kindness and, and compassion for the world, for communities, for ourselves. Where are you going to, what are we going to do next? Let's start with Mark. Um, well, this project is, is still ongoing, obviously. Um, distribution, we're on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, we'll, we're going on to educational platforms, we're going on to transport, um, and shortly we will also be going on YouTube globally, uh, so people can watch it, you know, it's just going to be really widely available, because that was always the plan. Um, and I have to mention everyone, because these, you know, documentaries, it takes a lot of resource, a lot of funding, and we've had fantastic investors in the project and they did it because they, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're not driven for profit. They were driven by their uh, passion for the planet. Um, and they were so supportive and you have to always recognize that, that, you know, we, we, without them, we wouldn't have been able to do this project. Um, so we're really grateful to everyone that contributed to the documentary in every way, all our, all our, our, our funders, um, we got a lot of donations as well. And on uh, all our contributors, um, everybody involved played a part. And, uh, we had a conversation a few months ago, um, and I believe at that time there was a plan to continue with documentaries, addressing other aspects that are. Uh, our humanity is um, being challenged with, like water, air, and, and soil. Uh, is that still um, on the on the design board? Yeah, there, there's there's always room uh, for uh, so many great documentaries that need to be made, um, and it is something that you know we we could end up doing. Uh, we just have to really get this out as you know as much as possible to the public and to different organizations and i think once we <clears throat> once we feel we've done everything with this project um there you know there are so many other great projects that need to be made and i think collectively there you know there are lots of people working on documentaries as well there are lots of passionate documentary makers and we're going to see many more come out whether whether we do them or are not there there's some in the pipeline that I know about, and that there's some fantastic, um, um, talented people working on documentaries right now that we're going to see soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way I like um, introducing those topics uh, to people that I love and care for is um, actually a private screening. Uh, I'm actually working on it right now after this Saturday when for the first time in Canada, Jennifer is bringing this movie to, uh, to our audience. I'm going to be having a screening at home with 20 or 25 family members and friends in all generations where we're going to be watching it 
and then talking about it and, and uh, having a conversation as a family, as a community, what um, different choices we're going to be making on a daily basis in order uh, to make a contribution uh, to, to change. And I, I, I would love to invite and inspire. And for that, you can go on the website that Mark just mentioned uh, and, and have a link uh, to to that movie as well online, even before it, it shows up on YouTube. Yes. So Udo, what's next for you? Well, in, in terms of this, there are really always three issues. The first thing, first one is that <clears throat> there's always people are saying, oh yeah, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do more. But if if the lockdown over the past two years is any indication then maybe the best thing is to do less because we noticed that when we all got locked down, the air got clean, the water got clean, the, the sunshine got a little less dusty. So, so that's an important issue because when people, you know, often there's an agenda behind the doing, you know, people want to do stuff and then there's a whole other story behind the doing. And, and then the, the, the global issue global environmental issue is used as a as a trigger point for something that may not work at all so i think it's we need to be aware that doing less in most cases is better except for two things one is intelligent water management and the second one is planting trees if we had 10 trillion trees and we now have 2.5 which is about what i've heard is the estimate then we got to plant a lot of trees and the trees yeah. will make the winters warmer and the summers cooler and they make their own they create climate i think in the movie they talk about the the um down in the amazon how how the 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 trees have created their own weather and climate uh i think that's super important of course that deals with oxygen as well because they make the oxygen we breathe it's all made by plants, right? Yeah, there was a beautiful scene in the film about that. As a, I guess a drone or something was coming over, you could it, it just a, you could see the forest breathing. It was it yeah. was incredible. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so and then the, the water management. We had a a plan in 1910 for a water management system that would end droughts for the whole continent. It was a like a you know, basically taking water from where there's too much and putting it where there's too little and doing that through a managed grid, water grid system. And then that got shelved. And I'm not sure what happened. Fossil fuels happened or something happened. So we, we've had that plan. The plan's been there for more than 100 years. Yes. Well, you know, make, and that's what I call intelligent water management. All we have to do is slow down the rate at which the water that falls on land returns to the ocean. And that way we raise our water tables again, and that way we end up with enough water so that everything can, everything can grow. It's yeah. not, it's a, I mean, it's a big project. It's simple in, in its concept, but it's a very big project. And so yes. the, between water management and planting trees uh, and, and, and going plant-based, that pretty much much covers most of the territory, right? Yeah. The, I mean, I guess after that, you know, leave the fossil fuels in the ground because every 
atom of carbon that you take out of the ground and burn takes two atoms of oxygen out of your breathing air. And a lot of our breathing oxygen is in the air because the plants got buried and couldn't rot and take up the oxygen they made when they were alive. So now we're digging them out and burning them. And so we're actually in the process of burning up our breathing air. And and the estimates at how long we've got, if we keep doing this, is somewhere between 300 and 15,000 years. Right, but mm-hmm. it took two billion years to get the the oxygen into the air, and one of the main reasons was by burying plants, because plants make oxygen when they're growing, but then when they die and rot, they take up all that oxygen in the rotting process again. So you separate the oxygen from the from the plants when they die, which was done for us, right, by whatever the upheavals were at the time, right. And that gave us uh, some of the information I found was only a quarter of our breathing oxygen is actually being made by living plants. The other three quarters is oxygen left over from the burial of plants. And to know that and to think about what we're doing, you know, when we're bringing out the oxygen and uh, bringing out the carbon and burning it as fossil fuels and we're chopping off the trees, You know, it's kind of like we're choking ourselves, you know, second by second, day by day, by our by our unconscious behavior, by our greedy killer behavior, when we ought to be grateful gardeners. Yes, that's 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 where I I see it going next. Wow. So we've got about eight minutes left, everyone. So. I think let's um, go to and, Jennifer. What's what's next yes. for you, Jennifer? Perfect. Thanks, Andrew. We'll actually jump off of that water um, information you were talking about, Udo, because the project I'm working on right now is the future of food is female. It's my book that just debuted uh, at the beginning of April. We debuted as a number one new release in six categories and counting across Amazon. Everything from environmental science to animal rights. Uh, it's the very first book, really bridging together the science and the policy and the plant-based movement um, under a cohesive umbrella about women. And one of the things that's very interesting about the book is I actually have a chapter on Singapore's water story. Uh, Specifically, so Singapore is an island, you know, nation. There's 5 million people that live there. So it's very, very tiny. And they were going to run out of water and the entire country back in like, I think the sixties and seventies formulated this like 30 year plan for how they would be able to produce enough water for this tiny little Island. And it was so successful that they now export water. They're like one of the only countries that exports clean drinking water because they have too much of it. Uh, and you know, we use that story as an example of now Singapore is leading in food technology and plant-based and food, you know, animal free innovation and how they're using that exact same mindset. And if we were able to take that mindset to other countries and see what worked in, in places like that, we could make a huge difference. So the book, um, is, is my big focus right now. Uh, it's available on Amazon. If you're, if you're interested, it's called the future of food. It's female. It's the first book ever focused on women's leadership in the food technology space. So um, I spoke to women across six continents, some of the most exciting products, science, technology, policies. I got a member of the European Parliament in there. 
Uh, we actually have, I did a dive with Susie Cameron, James Cameron's um, amazing wife, about some of their work up in Canada with the plant protein companies that they were building. It's just incredible. Uh, so that's our, my big project. I'm taking it to Israel next week, and I've got Korea, Germany. Uh, the book tour has been pretty crazy. Uh, excited to talk about it up in Canada as well. And then uh, we will be bringing the Vegan Women Summit, which is our big global conference. Had over 800 people uh, in April last month. Sold out hundreds and hundreds of people on the wait list. We're going to double the size for next year. It is the leading future of food conference um, specializing in women's leadership. Stay tuned for when that will be announced next May. Do, get, do men get to attend? Great question. <laughs> of course they do. So that is my number one question, Udo. 80% of our attendees are women, 20% are men. So one in five attendees are men. And you don't have to be vegan to attend. Uh, about a third of our attendees are not vegan. They're just coming to learn about the space. You know, much like Planted Expo, we want you to come and learn about the content, learn about why this is exciting, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an actress, you're a CEO, all the different ways that people are active in the space. Try food, try fashion, try beauty, and hopefully you can make the lifestyle changes yourself. Beautiful. And I hope we're going to have a couple more conversations, one about your book and obviously one about your, uh, your event next year. Oh, I'm, I am ready to, ready to have it. We are spreading the message all over the world. It's been extremely well received and it's exciting. It's exciting, inspiring and hopeful. Beautiful. Thank you. So I think we have, how much, much we, more we time have do we have? Four Mark? minutes left. Perfect. So it's like a one minute per person. The last thoughts, ideas, inspirations, invitations, starting with Mark. Yeah, I think it's um, time for us to be positive in terms of the changes that are happening as well, because there are big moves within the food industry. Some of the biggest food companies are embracing um, plant-based and producing food and we do need them we do need you know the nestles of this world which have a bad reputation but we need them to be involved because they are the biggest one of the biggest producers of food you know mcdonald's have done their uh, mac plant i think it's called uh, the burger without yep. them changing how are we going to change we we have to encourage that as well because if if these big organizations don't change it won't the food system won't change and we need consumers to go in and vote with their dollars, their euros, their pounds, their yen, whatever it is, by buying plant-based in Starbucks. I know that, you know, there's Omnipork. It's in Starbucks in China. Um, you've got the Beyond Burger going into all sorts of organizations and fast food chains and so on. You've got the Impossible Burger going in. You've got all these uh, products going into the system and we need we need consumers to vote with their wallet and to say yes i'm going to make the sustainable choice you know you're in mcdonald's you've got a choice you've now got a choice do you choose the one that is destroying our planet and causing suffering or do you choose the one that helps your your children your future generations uh, and i think that's what we've got to do now great <clears throat> what up <clears throat> Well, the, uh, the other issue for me is always, you know, when people, uh, when people are dissatisfied or disconnected or discontent, they do destructive things. 
and of all the things that is the you know we are the problem on the planet you have to come to the conclusion we are the problem on the planet the planet is fine without us and something in us needs to change and it has something to do with falling in love with what it feels like to be alive falling in love with nature that is our mother falling in love with just being present and out of that in that in that experience we discover not only just our peace but also our unconditional love but also our inspiration and also our wisdom and also our purpose and the kind of world we build from that place is a very different world than the world that we built from discontent and that shift i think ultimately speaking is the big shift that will make the difference on the planet mm, beautiful enough thank you i would say for my final uh remarks actually kind of attaching to what you said mark about the need for us to bring everybody together this is the type of crises that we're facing that requires everyone absolutely everyone nobody should be left out of this conversation anybody that is a willing participant that wants to be a part of making the planet a better place should absolutely be invited to do so no matter who they are and for folks that are listening today that perhaps came to the plant-based space from a health perspective you know there's going to be a lot of folks that we're going to need to meet them where they're at and things like the McPlant are extremely important for that transition to happen so i really implore you if, if you are interested from a health perspective please support all the options that are out there please don't attack you know options that you might perceive as not being healthy enough because we need to find people where they are at and bring them along to a place where they can become more at peace with their diet more at peace with their bodies um, we need it we need it all and you can be a part of the change so instead of blame attack and shame let's use love kindness and compassion beautifully said thank you so much <clears throat> and i want to just say make sure you check out Eating Ourselves to Extinction at the Planted Expo here in Vancouver, June 4th and 5th down at the Vancouver Convention Center. Uh, we've got a discount code, CLR Expo, here um, at Conscious Living Radio, so you can check that out on our website, ConsciousLivingRadio.org. And Andrew, if you've got anything else to add before we sign off? It's all good. Just make sure that we meet there and to say hi to each other and, and create a community that inspires and supports that project and um, and so have the conversations right so so we don't eat ourselves to extension we eat ourselves to expansion yeah. love it love it all right well you've been listening to conscious living here on co-op radio 100.5 fm cfro in vancouver i thank our guests jennifer udo and mark for joining us and andrew it's always a pleasure when you can join us on uh, on air as well so thank you everyone for joining us and we look forward to seeing you all again in the future. Take care. Yeah, and thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our pleasure.
You have been listening to Conscious Living Radio. For free show downloads, additional information about our guests and topics, or details about upcoming programs, check us out at ConsciousLivingRadio.org.